Hey there, this is Andrew. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Today, I've got a cool conversation to share with you. I'm chatting with Nate Riggs from NR Media Group in Ohio. Nate is an awesome thought leader in the inbound space. He's an active speaker, and workshops are a big part of their service offering to their clients. He's got an awesome team, and he shares some of their internal processes about how they maximize their efficiency to deliver delight to their clients. Cool conversation. I think you're going to love it. Without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. All right, today we've got Nate Riggs on the podcast from NR Media Group. Nate, do you want to say hi and tell a little bit about your background? Sure. Thanks for, for having me on it, Andrew. Uh, so I'm Nate Riggs. Uh, I've been doing marketing for, I think, about 14, 15 years now, which makes me feel really old, uh, at least in marketing years. And uh, so NR Media Group just crossed two years in play. We've been in business for two years, uh, and we decided to go all in on HubSpot about a year ago, a little under a year ago. Uh, and that's where we are today. We, we are an agency that only works with clients who are going to touch HubSpot in some way. That's awesome. How Now, you were in business about a year before you made that switch. What was that impetus, and what did the process look like for you guys to make such a focused decision like that? Yeah, so it's a really interesting story. I had, I had run a previous business called Social Business Strategies about the, the height of the social media boom, if you will. Uh, and I've been doing digital marketing for a long time. And so what I liked about HubSpot was and Inbound was that they took – the methodology, what everybody was doing on digital, and they made it really sexy and they made it really easy to train to. And so we started out uh, independent just because that's you know how I would, had always worked, cobbling systems together, the Franken system approach, as Darmesh calls it. Uh, and then you know doing things on WordPress and using premise and and using unbounced pages and things like that. Uh, and then we actually got into a client account that was a HubSpot user. And I'd known about HubSpot since like 2008. But as an independent consultant, you know, on social media, I just really didn't have the need for that type of a system. Uh, once we got into it with a client, I really had the opportunity to get in and personally, you know, build out conversion paths for them and, and work in the system and realized for me, the, the, the real key into growing a business was getting it outside of my head and putting a process that I could train others to. And that's what inbound and HubSpot did for us was it gave us a single system and it gave us a methodology that I could teach to and then recruit, you know, young associates. I also do some, some adjunct teaching at Ohio university and I actually teach inbound there one class a semester. And so what it's allowed us to do is get really good marketing talent right out of school, put them in a system that's kind of like midget football where you just kind of gear them up to understand that this is how marketing works. And then within four or five years, they're senior consultant level and they're rocking it on inbound. Uh, and that's what HubSpot has done for us is it's kind of given us a playbook to where I can bring in young talent and evolve them into the type of hybrid marketers that they need to become. I love that idea. Obviously, we're all about processes here. Through that through that sort of journey of bringing on young folks and kind of honing that system, what have you learned about the way that 
you think and the way that you want to document versus the way the rest of your team might? Have there been any um, conflicts there or just have you grown the, uh, the, the processes, the documentation at all? You know, it's interesting because when we first started out, and this was pre-HubSpot, um, I think we just overdid process documentation for a company our size. Not to say that it's not important, but I've learned over the last nine months that less is actually more. That you have to be very blatant and document the process, but you have to also, within that process, give people the ability to have some freedom to innovate you know, not every process is going to fit every single situation. And so, you know, if you can fit a process on one page on one word document or with you guys, we're doing a lot in game plans now with that, uh, that typically ends up becoming a process that's actually going to be used rather than just a big document that sits in a folder somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So just kind of learning through action that, you know, things need to be adjusted based on, different cases that's been a takeaway yeah and well and never being finished with the process you know yeah. you always we always have kind of this idea i guess they would call it kaizen in business but but you can always improve on an existing process so what we found too is trying to create a process in the vacuum of hey let's think through what this process is that rarely ever works what you need is that one situation where it's like here we have a client that needs to do this now let's go through this and figure it out as we go and document along the way and then go back and review that in kind of a post-mortem discussion Mm -hmm. and that's where the first version of the process actually comes from because again you can't create it in a vacuum you have to have kind of a testing ground to get through it and put it into play and then document from there I love that idea because you've got to go through that process anyway. If you're if you're overcoming a new challenge in the business or for a client, you've got to walk through that that journey of figuring it out and documenting as you go. I think is a great practice because then you can take that and refine it the next time you go through it, and that's going to increase your profitability as you go as well. Yeah, we've and we've seen that too. I mean, our big numbers for this year we we did you know about half a million in year one. And we're, we just crossed that in year two, but the difference with the processes that we put in place is the profitability. We've just seen that percentage go up and up and up over 2014, and that's, you know, as a business owner, that lets me sleep a lot easier at night. That is awesome growth, Nate. Congratulations. Thank you. That's great. So now you've got a, you've got a little bit of a unique model as an inbound agency. You do a lot of speaking. You do a lot of workshops. You also do retainer work. Could you walk listeners through what does your service offering look like? And how do they play together? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the overarching thing that makes us a little bit different from a lot of inbound agencies is that it's our guarantee. We we prescribe to uh, an operating system called EOS, uh, which I heard a lot of people talking about at Partner Day, but it's from a book by Gina Wickman called Traction. Uh, great. If you're, you're running an inbound agency, I definitely recommend checking out that book. Part of this process is really finding focus and understanding who you're working with. And so we only work with with two two types of clients, either new HubSpot users or existing HubSpot users. Um, With new HubSpot users, we start with an inbound readiness workshop, and this is a full-day workshop. They pay us to come on site. Um, We kind of stole the idea from Marcus Sheridan in that if the executive team's not in the room, we're not showing up. Uh, and so the idea with this workshop is we are, and I say this in the most respectful, but the most sincere way, we are trying to scare away new prospects because 
doing the work of inbound, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of preparation and it takes a cultural commitment. So if you're not ready to do that, then inbound is going to be a waste of your money and it's just going to leave you with a really sour impression of not only inbound and HubSpot, but also my agency. And so we work with clients to really try to make sure that if they're going to go into this, they, they have what it takes to actually do the work and get in it. Part of that leads into the fact that our guarantee is tied that within 24 months, we're going to have you in large part independent with your inbound marketing program. That's a little bit counterintuitive to a lot of the other agency partners because it's all about how can we just renew these retainers and get them into more retainers and we want to see brands become independent with their inbound marketing. That doesn't mean that they're not going to come back to us for extra hands because sometimes they just simply can't hire enough people inside to do the work. But if the client understands and, and can, if they want to execute their program on their own, both my agency and the client is going to be much more successful over the long term. So once we get through the workshop, uh, with a new client, we move into what we call our inbound synergy process, which is a 60-day process that includes HubSpot license implementation, full configuration, persona development, inbound strategy. That came out of the fact that when we were doing scorecards for existing clients, we noticed that like 9 out of 10 customers don't even have personas set up in the system. What I think is interesting about that is that if you go through the training it drills down persona, 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 persona. It's all through HubSpot's training. Mm -hmm. So I think that ma the majority of the clients never touch the MOOC. They never touch the, the, the training resources because a lot of people just don't like learning online. After we get through that 60 days and we've got the strategy in place and the systems configured and everything's up and moving, now we move into either activation programs where a lot of times we're executing 90 to 100% at the onset. And then within three to six to 12 months, we start to tip the scales where that execution becomes more more focused on coaching, training, and rollout in the organization. Okay. It's the same process for existing custom customers of HubSpot, existing license holders, except that we start with an adoption scorecard. So we're going to go in and look at your system and say, out of using the entire system, here's a scorecard to essentially give you a grade. Are you A, B, C, D, or F with your use of HubSpot? And that's really tied to the fact that people need to maximize this investment. It is going to cost you between you know, fourteen dollars and, and $40,000 a year to use the software. You better, by God, be using it right. Yeah. Do you use that scorecard through the through your sales process or is that a is that a paid product that that existing HubSpot customers purchase and you walk them through? I mean the intention is to make it a paid product, right? For existing HubSpot customers. Um, you know, if it's a customer that we really want to get or we feel is a really good fit for our model and they fit all the criteria, we've developed our own scorecard for kind of scoring clients to make sure that they're the, the right fit with us. Uh, sometimes we'll do it pro bono, but we really do shy away from that because I'm a big believer in qualification. You know, they talk about MQLs and SQLs and HubSpot, and that's great. I can look at how much free stuff you downloaded and figure out if you're a marketing qualified lead. But a sales qualified lead isn't scared to pay $1,500 to have somebody tell them how they're doing. And if you're not willing to make that $1,500 investment in a scorecard, then chances are you're probably not going to invest in inbound synergy or some type of an activation retainer. So as a small agency, I don't have time. That's awesome. I love the idea that you lay it out there for them and then you let those who are hungry take action and show me that you're willing to engage in a process like this. And that's, it's, that's not to sound aloof. I think sometimes when I go down that road, I sound like, you know, we're really cocky as an agency. But the reality of it is, is we've made a lot of mistakes going down wild 
goose chases or rabbit holes trying to work with clients that simply weren't going to be invested culturally and they just wanted the return. And I think that's the biggest thing that people miss is that when you look at that ROI formula, everybody wants to go to the R. Nobody actually wants to look at the investment that it requires to get there. Nice. That's awesome. Can you walk us through a recent client success story that uh, at one point or another going through this process, um, what are some, some wins that you guys have experienced in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, so it's interesting. We talked a little bit about this, but one of our most successful inbound clients is a health center that we cannot put on HubSpot right now uh, because of HIPAA compliance. So we basically took the methodology and built a WordPress site and made it HIPAA compliant. We, we talked to a, an attorney uh, and got all the requirements and then we custom developed this WordPress site and Gravity Forms to be HIPAA compliant. Uh, what's been interesting is that's really forced us to drill down on not just using the software, but here's the methodology. Now make it work with a bunch of cobbled together tools, exactly how it would be in HubSpot. Uh, and these guys, you know, we've been with them for almost two years now. We've done everything from their branding to their rollout, to their digital website, to social media and blogging and everything else. And these guys generate about 70 to 120 new patient leads monthly. Uh, if we had the ability to, it sounds really good, but they're in New York City, so we've got quite a, a dense population to work with. Um, but it is a successful program. Um, if we had the ability to use HubSpot, we absolutely would. I'm, I'm still waiting on the folks in Boston to let us know when they're going to get on that development. Uh, but that's been a really good one for us. On the other side, we do have a HubSpot enterprise client called Franciscan Media. Uh, they are one of the nation's largest Catholic book publishers. And this has been really interesting because it is a huge culture shift for the organization. They are moving from literally having a 70-some-odd-person call center uh, in their office and doing things like direct mail and radio advertising and all of this stuff to moving to an inbound type of a culture. So for us, it's a little bit of a slower moving implementation. Uh, these guys have, and this is not an exaggeration, a website that averages about 17 million annual visitors. I think they may be the largest nonprofit on HubSpot today, uh, aside from the water folks. Um, <laughs> but it's been interesting because you're talking about some people who simply like they're really struggling to get their head around what do you mean we have to change what we're doing and then there's the few people inside that really get it and gravitate for it and so dealing with their internal culture and and being very you know having to be very soft and educate a lot up front has made a big difference for them it's a little bit slower moving but they just integrated shopify e-commerce with hubspot which is going to be fantastic uh, and so we're looking, you know, the, the next phase for these guys is to completely overhaul the website. Uh, and so in terms of results, we had a lot of, we have thousands of leads, thousands of contacts. Uh, we have seen correlations on Amazon where book sales for certain books that we're promoting are going up. But until that Shopify integration is complete and the website is, we, what we're missing right now is that closed loop analytics piece of it. Uh, but it's coming soon. That sounds awesome. There's got to be just a ton of internal education needs to happen there. Can you walk us through what does a workshop program look like for you when you're partnering with a company like that? How do you get everyone in the room and get folks bought in long-term to the inbound idea? You know, with these guys, uh, we kind of did the workshop on the very front end. They had the entire executive team in. 
we started by doing a lot of analysis of their competitive space. We use a tool called Rival IQ for that. Um, and they, they don't integrate with HubSpot right now, but it's a really great tool for looking at everything from comparative search to comparative social media presence and footprint. Um, that really set the tone. I think what makes the difference is if you can start off that workshop by saying, okay, here's the baselines. Here's where you are today as a client, as a company, and then move into, now let's talk about the inbound methodology, philosophy, and the technology. Um, you immediately get their attention because it shows that you're not just trying to sell something. You're really invested in trying to meet them where they are. Uh, and I think for a lot of companies looking to get into inbound marketing, that's what they need, is they need to see, here's where we are today against our competitors, against our sales goals, against you know whatever strategies that we have in place. Uh, and that seemed to work really, really well because after we get out of that that meeting, you could see the momentum start to build towards this new idea of inbound marketing. Okay, so you kind of start with a self-assessment and show shine a light on the current situation and then use that as an impetus to say, okay, guys, we need to find a change and pivot to a different direction here. Absolutely. And, and again, establishing those baselines at the very onset, that very first meeting, whatever software you're using, show them where they stand today because ultimately those baselines come in. That's how you're going to measure your growth. I see a lot of other agencies get in and they put a strategy in place based on an anecdotal conversation of here's our objectives, here's what we want to achieve. Not that that's not important, but you, you guys have probably seen this as an inbound agency as well, where, you know, you get a client that says, well, we want to grow our revenue by 50% or 100%. And it's like, yeah, that sounds very reasonable. But then you look at their website traffic and they get like 100 visitors a month. Yeah. You know, and so you have to establish the baselines up front in order to set reasonable expectations. And if that client looks and you say, here's the reasonable expectation based on where you are today. And that client says, well, that's just not going to work for us. We need to go more than that. You really need to start thinking about, okay, is this the right client for us? Because they're simply, are we going to be successful if this is what they expect and here's where they are today? Yeah. Okay. How do you, what are the, um, what are the different team members that you like to get into that workshop environment to make sure that this inbound idea goes beyond just the marketing department? Well, so we're, you know, super small from our end, uh, you know, I'm the CEO, but I'm also playing the role of senior consultant right now. And our model is built on that if by the time you reach senior consultant, senior consultant, you're the one presenting the workshops and doing a lot of the, the education because you've gone through the ropes of training to, to make sure you know what you're talking about. Uh, typically from our end, we then involve consultants as well. And I try to get as many junior consultants in the room just for the experience of being client facing. From the client side, uh, that very first workshop is, and again, you know, totally uh, want to give credit to Marcus Sheridan of the sales line uh, because he was a stickler a couple years ago that said, look, you have to have the executive team in there. You have to have the controller in there, the finance person in there. Uh, you have to make sure that all the stakeholders are there because if you can get them in the room, it's the first time that they're invested. If the CEO or the COO are too busy to attend a marketing meeting to talk about inbound, you're never you're going to hit a ceiling every time you try to drive an initiative through the top. And so, you know, hats off to Marcus because I think he's absolutely right that it should be an all hands type of meeting. You're talking about a culture shift. The entire executive team needs to be there. The sales folks need to be there, and the marketers need to be there. 
Okay, that's awesome. Get everyone around the table. And we've heard that a lot from different folks that, that the the work that Marcus has done on the, the workshop front has really helped create that sense of buy-in across the whole organization. And I know at Guava Box, we've hit that ceiling a lot where we've done a very poor job of getting everyone on the same page. And, you know, the uh, you let assumptions let assumptions run wild and assume that that marketing contact that you're working with is going to educate the president and that's bitten us a few times so i'm really really excited to hear that this this model of getting everyone around the table and and leading with education has been working well for you guys what's interesting too is a lot of times in that type of scenario what you'll see come out of it is that the champion actually emerges from a different department it, like for, for this client in, in Cincinnati, uh, you know, one of the champions of the program is a guy who leads the book team uh, or the magazine team. Uh, so he's a publisher. He's an editor. Uh, but he also just has curiosity for digital and has a really good understanding of it. And so he's become a strong advocate for us and he's not in the marketing department. That is so cool because that's going to give – that gives it legs outside and it really if, – if, if you've got someone outside pushing the marketing department a little bit along to keep innovating and keep doing cool things, specifically if it's like someone with a publishing background, I think that's really cool yeah. and that client specifically. But that is – that's a great side effect there. Yep. Okay. From a that – that's some awesome success stories there. Let's talk struggles because I know all of us as inbound agency owners, we've gone through rough patches that we learn from. Have there been any recent struggles that you guys have gone through that have caused you to change a process or rethink the way that you guys are currently doing things? You know, I, I want to say like the first two years were a constant struggle. Um, it's only until like the last three or four months that I really feel as the CEO and the, the business founder that we've gotten our focus and now things are humming along in the direction that I want them to go. Um, you know, we, we still have this vision that the one thing that nobody talks about in inbound is how media plays into it. Things like uh, video, audio, so on and so forth. Wistia obviously is a huge integration with HubSpot and that's kind of pushing in that direction. So when we first founded, we actually had a full production house. We invested about $25,000 in production equipment. I had a, a production director on staff. Uh, and what we realized is while that was really great, our lowest profit margins were on production capabilities. And that was because if you go to Columbus, like literally within a three block radius of our office, there's like five or six other DSLR HD production firms. And so we decided to offload that piece of our business because it was a really big cost center for us to carry all of that. So at one point we were as big as 12 people. Uh, We're currently down to four people right now, which has really forced us to scale back and say, okay, we are only doing these things. We are only focused on inbound. We still do production for clients, but we have built a network of freelancers that are preferred partners of other folks that we've worked with. And we work very closely with them, but we're also very transparent that, hey, this is a freelancer. Here's why we trust them. You can do direct business directly with them. Uh, at the end of the day, what we're looking for is the content that helps us get inbound results. So really, I think a lot of agencies try to say, okay, how can we mark that up? How can we make money on this? How can we make money on that? I think what I've learned over the last year is make money on what you make money on. Make money on what you're good at and let everybody else make money on what they're good at and you end up doing better. Uh, but personnel has definitely been, you know, finding the right butts in the right seats has been one of our challenges. Uh, and so this feeder program where you, know, you see a lot of other inbound agencies adopt it, where it's junior consultant, consultant, senior consultant. We actually, you know, looked at a lot of what PR 2020 was doing. Paul Bates are up in Cleveland uh, and modeled after that. And then we added on one more piece of it, and that's the Jedi internship. 
And, you know, part of it was I just had to figure out how to work Jedi into something related to business. <laughs> um, but Jedi actually stands for Junior Editorial Disciplinary Internships. So I teach class at OU. Uh, I get about 50 students inbound certified per semester at Ohio University in the, the College of Business. Out of that, we will audition about five or six interns and take on one Jedi. And then that's really where you start to progress into the junior consultant, then consultant, senior consultant. Okay. That's awesome. Has How has being a college professor helped or impacted the way that you educate on the consultancy side, working with customers? How's that process played out? I mean, I think, you know, if, if you've ever heard of the mentality of tell or of show, do, and teach, the ability to teach, particularly college students who have never experienced anything digital, um, that really solidifies the information in your head because you might, I, I always love the very first class because I, I start speaking inbound to them. And within like five minutes, you see the deer in headlights. They have no idea what the hell you're saying. Uh, by the end of the semester, they're all speaking the same language. And that's a really cool thing because uh, it, it does. It forces you to really make sure that you understand what you're talking about and you can explain it in a succinct way. And if you can do that with college students, you can also do that in a client boardroom. That's awesome. Okay, let's transition a little bit. You've talked about the team coming from 12 down uh, to a smaller team and how you're establishing a focus there. So tools are a big part of creating a, a an airtight process there. Would you mind sharing any, any lesser known tools that you guys are using right now that other folks might not have heard about that can help them deliver more delight to their clients? So there's this really, really cool company called Do Inbound uh, <laughs> that, no, I, and hats off to you guys. Uh, we were Basecamp users. Uh, for the first year of our existence, I used Basecamp for, for many, many years. Uh, and it's a great system, but it simply just does not align with what you need to do on inbound. So we jumped over to do inbound, and uh, we've been really happy with the system and happy with, with the way you guys kind of are willing to take feedback and make adjustments in the system. Uh, outside of that, again, I mentioned Rival IQ, uh, and they are social media competitive analysis. In fact, I believe uh, Jay Bear is an investor in the company. That's how I learned about them. But we've been with them for about probably a year now, uh, and they would compete with like a Simply Measured or a Quintly. So we looked at a lot of systems that say, okay, here's your competitors. Here's how you benchmark against them. Uh, Rival IQ includes uh, Moz integration. And so you can get search data, you can get pay-per-click data, you can also get all the social media data. And that's really, uh, it's a great add-on to the reporting that we do from HubSpot because admittedly, uh, HubSpot reporting, at least on social media, is very, very light right now. I, I'm hoping that they beef it up and maybe they'll announce something like that coming down the pipe in the next year or two. Uh, but we are using both Rival IQ, HubSpot, and then Google Analytics as well. Um, outside of that, too, we started to get all of our clients on board with Facebook Business Manager. Um, and that's, you know, within the last year, that's kind of rolled out. Uh, there was a beta test, and then I think they opened it up to everybody. But aside from a really tricky kind of a pain in the butt setup, once you get everything set up and configured, it makes managing Facebook campaigns for clients a whole lot easier, uh, particularly with things like tracking pixels for conversion tracking and things like that. Okay. Is is Facebook advertising part of the inbound campaigns that you're running for clients? Yeah, we are – 
that's an interesting debate in itself because yes, it is. Uh, but you have to sit back and ask yourself, is Facebook advertising inbound or outbound? Because it's advertising, but it's so in the stream surrounded by inbound content. I think there's a debate there. Uh, but we are doing a lot of it for clients. Uh, one of the other things we're playing with is perfect audience. Um, we've not rolled it out to any clients yet, but we've we've tested it on ourselves. And this is kind of, uh, they, they're a HubSpot partner integration that allows you to uh, run Facebook ads or Twitter advertisements based off smart lists in HubSpot. So we're playing around with that right now. But at the end of the day, if you want to be on social media, you better be willing to pay some money because they're ad-supported networks. So you're only going to get so far with organic content. Uh, so it's one of those, you know, it, it, whether you want to say it's inbound or outbound, it's definitely marketing. Awesome. Yeah, I think you can definitely leverage those as a boost. And it's, you know, you've got to incorporate it into an inbound campaign and have it make sense. Because if, you if you're sending traffic to your website, to your clients' websites, but you don't have a funnel in place that can nurture them through, it's really wasted money at the end of the day. Well, it, it aligns so well with your personas. You know, if you do your persona work, you know exactly how to translate that into targeting on Facebook. I think where people get in trouble with Facebook advertising is they don't focus on the content. Boost a piece of helpful, relevant content, and I will click on it every time. Boost an advertisement for your business, and I'm just going to scroll past it in the stream. Yeah, that's awesome insight because it's, I mean, it works the same way in Google. You know, what ranks well, what brings you the best leads is not going to be necessarily just your business search name. It's going to be a piece of content that educates folks well. So just take that same model from the organic side, shift it to the paid side, include it in an inbound campaign where you're sending them towards the right landing page, and it's going to deliver results. I love it. Absolutely. So now, Nate, you personally, let's shift a little bit. What? Uh, how do you prepare yourself for a given day? What does a typical morning in Nate Riggs' life look like? Man, I got to be honest, like the last you know, year and a half, two years have been a real struggle. Uh, trying to get a business off the ground, working ridiculous hours to do that. Uh, I let my health go. I let, you know, uh, I, I didn't see my family a lot. What's interesting is in the last like three to four months, uh, things have started to settle. So I'm, I'm a triathlete and I've, I've run marathons and done other stuff. So I'm back to getting up at like five, five thirty in the morning, going and doing some training, uh, I feel so much better after I, when I come into the office, after I've had a good workout in the morning. Um, we also try to have a lot of like team time at work where we'll go out to at least one lunch a week. And I think that's a nice break from things. Uh, but one of our values that we created, we, we worked on creating what we call the guiding behaviors of our media group. And there's six of them. Uh, but one of them was balance. And you hear that word used a lot, but I think balance is really different for everybody. And for me, that's, you know, being able to go home at 530, spend time with my kids. If I have to jump back on email, you know, at 9, 930 when they go to bed, I will. But for the most part, that time in the evening with my family or if I'm exercising or whatever is really, really sacred. And I found that when I keep that sacred, it actually makes me perform better at work. I get more done. I feel better about the day. Uh, so that would be my piece of advice to entrepreneurs who are doing this is, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to put in the long hours. You got to burn the midnight oil when you're getting started. But as soon as you can get out of that pattern, do it because you're going to feel better and you're going to perform better. I love it. I think that's great advice for everyone. And it might take a little bit of time to uh, to adopt it. But once you realize that taking time away from work to spend time investing in yourself in that way will actually pay a dividend back. Uh, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. 
Nate, could you share with us several different ways that folks could get in contact with you if they want to reach out, ask a question, say thank you, anything like that? What's the best way to connect? Sure. Uh, you can find us on nrmedia.biz. Uh, that's the website. My email is nate at nrmedia.biz. Uh, I'm on all the usual social networks, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, we'll be at Inbound this year, so by all means, if you're at Inbound, uh, I know I'll personally be doing a lot of the agency track. Uh, yeah, we'll be at the Hug stuff, so yeah, that's how you can find me. Awesome. Well, Nate, thank you so much for joining us here on Inbound Agency Journey and sharing your story. Hey, thanks for having me. Keep up the good work. You guys are uh, you guys are making some good software. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. Now back to the show. All right. Well, welcome back. This is Gray McKenzie and I am joining Andrew here to recap his conversation with Nate Riggs. Andrew, I'm going to kick things over to you to start like we usually do. And I want you to share maybe the one or two big takeaways from your conversation with Nate and anything that you maybe disagree with or just have um, an alternative viewpoint or you want to just raise it for discussion. And let's, let's hit on that. Yeah. I want to start with the workshop idea and the, yeah, it's so important that you get buy-in across the organization early in the process. And we do that through the inbound game plan process where we've got some discovery meetings, but I really like how Nate emphasized getting everyone in and doing uh, more of an in-depth workshop style Sounded like they do some storyboarding by putting different things up on boards around the room. So I really like that idea. I think as as often as we can integrate in-person, um, company-wide processes into our onboarding experience, the more inbound is going to be accepted at the organization. And I share personally, I share Nate's philosophy that as, a, as an inbound agency, we want to come in and teach and get folks up and running and then let them run it. I like that model. It's not for everyone. Um, and that's why you want to build the agency you love. Uh, so some folks want to come in and be partners for life and, and have in-depth ongoing retainers for life. But the idea of being able to educate a team around the idea of inbound, not just in the marketing department, but the idea of getting an advocate outside the marketing department, like the publishing department he was talking about, is a really, really cool goal to follow. Um, and I like to shout out to Marcus, for the work that he's doing um, around workshop training and just getting the value in there, that was the biggest um, takeaway that I had, Gray, that I would, that I learned from, and that I'd like to improve in our processes. Yeah. So a couple things. One, I think uh, he's right on. He's going in the right direction, moving towards workshops as early as possible. I think that Marcus is leading a charge here that's going to continue to grow because of how many agencies have gone out and what we're selling with our inbound services are not what people uh, in organizations have been accustomed to buying. Mm -hmm. And I think that misalignment of expectations going into something has led to a lot of broken relationships and engagements that didn't work out well. So there's no doubt that that is the direction we need to go. If we're not aligned theoretically, philosophically, then the practicalities, there's definitely going to be a lot of friction points there. Yeah. So that's the first thing is uh, I think he's doing a great job. I think they're heading in the right direction there. 
we are on that path. Um, and I think that a ton of agencies are heading in that direction. Uh, number two thing I'll say was, so he mentioned what you just hit on Andrew, but within 24 months, the goal of within two years, you as the company have the ability to be independent from, from what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I, so for me, I'm going to give this a, a little bit of a different take. I agree with the principle, but I think I disagree with the reality. So I think that the principle is right. We do want to enable our customers, but I think that the reality is that for a lot of the organizations who are doing this, they are not living day in and day out uh, as deeply entrenched in inbound as an agency hopefully is. So I think that where this kind of separates from reality is hopefully they may be able to do everything that you're advising them to do for the first six months of the engagement. In two years, they may be fully independent of that. But I think there's always going to be more and more. I think there's always the further up and further in that they're going to be able to do. And hopefully you as the agency partner can be the one pushing them to go in that direction. So um, we do share that like as an agency guava box, we want to enable clients, teach clients, train clients, and give them the ability to do this inbound stuff, get them thinking in this direction. But I think there's also for the vast majority of clients going to be, they're just going to continue to recognize what they could be doing. And hopefully you as the agency are fulfilling your responsibility to stay ahead and, um, you know, be able to lead the way in those areas. Yeah, I see where you're going there. And that's a good transition to another point that he made. Because one thing that we see as, as clients evolve and as they grow in their understanding of inbound, they still need a guide to help them through the process. Because like you said, they don't live and breathe in it every day like we do. And we've seen that as one application for do inbound where you've got your processes documented in there and you can actually bring a client in, assign them the tasks of creating blog posts, of interviewing content experts, of writing lead nurturing emails and following the processes you've honed as an agency. So it's like you're doing it with them sort of because they're following your process. Um, And one thing that Nate said that I really respected was documenting processes as you go along. And so it's kind of like a cultural thing where when we come to a new challenge, whether it's um, you know a, a specific audience that needs targeted or we're trying a new technology for the first time or if something like that, overcome it for the client, but document it as you go. And that way you're going to increase your profitability over time because you've already invested the time and sweat in learning that new area. And by documenting it and recording it, you now have it so that the next time you come across something like that or similar, you can activate that past processes you've already developed and follow the step-by-steps that you already learned in you know a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, whatever it is. And adding that culture across your agency is only going to help you hone and get better with time. Yeah, a couple of things to add on to that. At, so at one point, Nate said he thought that processes, he, he referred to them as overrated and, and I think you kind of dug out that he they'd spent a little too much time on documentation that probably wasn't that useful, uh, especially in the early days. And so your processes do iterate, probably iterate pretty quickly because the space iterates pretty quickly and hopefully you're always improving and, and staying up with it. But what he then kind of got into with documenting as you go translates right into Andrew, one of the principles that we learned and that is a core philosophy of do inbound as a software, which is, um, we always want processes to live where work is being done. So if you have, uh, 
you know, a workflow that's printed out on paper and sitting in a binder on the shelf. Nobody is ever going to go to it. Um, but if it's integrated right into the way that you manage your tasks, then you're going to follow that process and use it. So I think that, uh, I think that that was one thing that, that he brought out that stood out to me as, um, like this is really just a reminder of why it's so important for your processes to be right where you're actually engaged in doing the work. And then the other thing that I'll add on is just to, you mentioned the cultural aspect, but just um, making it a practice in your agency. And the only way to do this is to lead by example that yeah. when you send that email to a prospect and this is a question that you've heard for the second time now, you don't just send the email, but you take the extra three minutes to templatize it and save it in the CRM. Yeah. And when you're promoting a blog post and you realize that, um, you know, scheduling out the tweet only five times doesn't have as much impact as if you schedule it out 20 times over the next month, then you update the process and you take take a moment to say, hey, here's the posting frequency that I'm going to recommend on this in the future. And there, there are countless examples of that. But the only way to do this is to lead by example and also to give people the tools and enable them to build inside a system where – uh, the processes live right inside how you manage your work, your project management tool. Yeah, I totally agree, Gray. Any other thoughts you want to share on the chat we had before we wrap things up? No, I think that, I mean, uh, another hug leader, like the recurring themes from, <laughs> from successful growing agency owners just continue. And it's funny right now, um, you know, Andrew, we've done, uh, completed two seasons of Inbound Agency Journey and we're seeing these themes already and it's going to be funny to to look back in a year from now and say we thought they were they were popular then but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the new themes are and also how many of these themes just continue to this is the common the common trait common thread between successful agency owners yeah excited to see those trends evolve as well excited to meet you guys as well if anyone is coming to inbound 15 up in boston gray and i are both going to be there and please come up, introduce yourself, say hi if you're a listener to the podcast. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, so see us. I'm sure that both of us will be spending most of our time on the partner track there, so we won't be hard to spot. We'd love to see you if you are in Boston this September. And if you've got any questions or if there's anything that we can do to help you out, Gray is on Twitter at McKenzie. I am at Andrew J. Dembski. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today to Inbound Agency Journey, and we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.